Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn with me, if you will. Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. Today we'll be looking at verses 1 through 23. Proverbs chapter 5, looking at verses 1 through 23. And if you don't, do not have a Bible, then you can grab a pew Bible there and p- turn to page 497 in the pew Bible. 497 in the pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, then please take that pew Bible as our gift to you. <clears throat> we want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so take it and use it for your benefit. Uh, this summer, we're looking, going through some of the, the Proverbs, uh, and we're seeking in the book of Proverbs wisdom for life. I mean, that's what the book of, of Proverbs is all about. It's about giving us wisdom, wisdom from God, wisdom to live in this fallen world according to God's will and desire. And it covers many themes, and we'll cover many themes as we go through it. We're not going to go through it verse by verse, line by line, but uh, we're going to look at different themes that the book covers. And one theme, an important theme that it does cover, is marriage. Marriage and how to safeguard the institution of marriage against sin. You know, marriage was the first institution established by God. When he created the heavens and the earth, the first institution that he created, the first institution that he put in place was marriage. When he created Adam and then a helpmate for him, Eve, and he brought them together and God performed the first marriage ceremony and he said uh, he, he brought them together and the two became one flesh. This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, Adam said. Therefore, God said, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so marriage was established. Uh, Also, as we look at Scripture, marriage is the institution that God most often uses to reflect his relationship to his people. The covenant of marriage image uh it mad or excuse me it it typifies it it emulates it exemplifies god's relationship to his people you look in the old testament and god is seen as the husband of his bride israel and in the new testament that theme continues as christ is the bride or the bridegroom of his bride the church and so it's no wonder that Time and time again, Satan attacks the institution of marriage. He would like nothing more than to defile the institution of marriage, to bring it down to nothing. And one of the the chief ways, one of the main ways that we see Satan attacking marriage is the sin of adultery. Adultery causing one, uh, one spouse or, the, or both spouses that in some cases to enter into a relationship with someone else, an inappropriate, sinful relationship with someone else. Adultery can absolutely destroy marriage. It's a, def- a defilement of the whole covenant of marriage. And so from the beginning of time, Satan has attacked marriage through this sin of adultery. So we need to understand that. We see in our culture, we see that uh, adultery is glamorized. I mean, look at TV, watch TV. 
any show that you see on TV, it glamorizes the sin of adultery. Every show that's on TV right now has someone committing adultery with someone else. And, and, and it's, it, it's pictured as, oh man, that's the way to fulfill life. That's the way to feel joy and excitement. And it's no big deal, right? It's just a part of the natural process. It's no big deal. Adultery is no big thing. Everybody's doing it. So it must be okay. Our so society, it glamorizes adultery. Making it even more tempting. More easy to enter into and defile the covenant of marriage. So as, as followers of Jesus Christ, knowing that that's not the purpose that God had for marriage, we need to understand how to safeguard marriage against adultery. We need to learn how to safeguard marriage against adultery. And today's text, this chapter 5, it teaches us how to safeguard marriage from adultery by giving us four safeguards to protect marriage against adultery. Four safeguards to protect marriage against adultery. So I want to look at these this morning, and I pray that you would heed these safeguards. If you're married, if you have a spouse, heed these safeguards and protect marriage from adultery. And don't think it could never happen to me because it can. It can. If you let down your guard, it can happen to you. Heed this warning from the text. Heed these safeguards. Apply them to your life and safeguard your marriage. So let's begin then by reading our text. And if you found your place there in Proverbs chapter 5, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion, and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O oh sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and you say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I do not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ears to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be sh uh, scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? 
let them be for yourself alone and do not for strangers and do not uh, for and not for strangers with you let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth a lovely deer a graceful doe let her breast fill you at all times with delight be intoxicated always in her love why should you be intoxicated my son with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress for a man's ways are before the eyes of the lord and he ponders all his paths the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast in the cords of his sin he dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly he is led astray amen may the lord add blessings to the reading of his holy inspired and inerrant word and may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts and you may be seated well beloved as we consider our text this morning the first safeguard that you should uh, put in place to safeguard your marriage from adultery is establish protective boundaries establish protective boundaries look at our text we see here in our text that number one adultery is seductive adultery is seductive my son be attentive to my wisdom incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep my discretion and your lips may guard knowledge for the whip lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than all. Now think about that. You know, adultery is seductive. It is seductive. Uh, most Christians would never enter into uh, an adulterous re relationship like, you know, on purpose. No one like goes out and looks to get into an adulterous affair. That's not the way it happens. No, here's how it happens. It, it comes in slowly. It, it seduces you. The, the temptation comes in and it tempts and it draws you away slowly. It, you begin to make compromises. And the next thing you know, you're in the moment. You're committing the sin. You see, it starts like this. There's a mutual attraction. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Men and women are attracted to the one another, and, and, and so there, there's this mutual attraction. But instead of, uh, of letting that attraction go on by and, and pass by you, and you know what, what takes place next? Well, well then there's this so-called innocent flirtation that begins to take place, right? There, there's this like banner between the two people, this, uh, this man and this woman, and, and they begin to, to flirt with one another, Oh, it's, it's innocent, right? It means nothing. We're just having a good time. But then that develops even further, right? You, you begin to do that, and then you begin to, to share intimate moments together. And not in the sexual sense, but, but just sharing some, some intimate details, some emotional intimacy. You begin to, to cross that line. Sharing secrets, sharing your cares and your concerns. And, and then the whispers began, right? The whispers of adultery began to, to go in your head. Oh, isn't she something? Isn't she so sweet? 
She gets me. She understands me. Oh, my wife, she doesn't get me anymore, but she gets me. She understands me. Oh, how great life would be if she were in my life all the time. You see, the whispers began to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And the next thing you know, you're entering into a relationship. You're committing adultery. You're slipping into this affair. You see, you didn't set out to do that. That's not the, the way it happened. You just kind of came into it and you began to make those compromises. You were seduced by the sin. And before you know it, the compromises led to sin. Sin grabbed a hold of you. It wouldn't let you go. That's the way it happens. You see, adultery is seductive. It promises great things. It promises life. But in all actuality, what does adultery deliver? It delivers death and destruction. Adultery delivers death and destruction. Look at the next line there. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her lips Follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. Adultery is a, not a path to life. Oh, it promises life, but it only delivers death. It only delivers death. Now, the proverb is going to get into this a little bit more as we continue on down the line, but, but let me just say this right now. Know this, dear friend, and perhaps you have heard this before, but sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. All sin will do that for you, but adultery especially. Oh, you, it may seem tempting. It may seem like that path will, will deliver joy and excitement and fulfillment. But be assured of this, dear friend. Adultery only leads to death. Death and destruction. Therefore, dear friend, listen to me. Listen to me. Establish protective boundaries in your life to protect you from the temptation of adultery don't even don't even let the temptation arise don't don't give temptation the the opportunity to take root set up boundaries so that you don't fall into it you know my dad raises cattle and, and you know he wants to keep his cows out of the danger of passing uh, vehicles that pass by the road and so what does he do he builds a big old barbed wire fence it's got all those metal little, little uh, hooks in it, right? So, so that when the cows get up against the fence, it, it hurts a little bit and they got to back up. He, he puts up that boundary, that barrier to keep them out of danger's way. You need to put up a boundary. You need to build around yourself a barbed wire fence to keep you out of adultery's way. Set up boundaries. 
Establish boundaries in your life. Don't cross those boundaries. Never cross those boundaries. Lest you fall to temptation and fall into sin. Now I want to just, just recommend three boundaries today this is not you know all the boundaries that we could add but these are just three essential boundaries that i've recognized and i put try to put place in my life and they've worked pretty well so uh here's three boundaries that i want to share with you today and i just added them into your notes no no line to to no blank to fill out here i, I want you to have these so you'll know these and and can have them to establish in your life establish these three boundaries Number one, never be alone with someone of the opposite sex who is not your spouse. Never, ever, ever be alone with someone of the opposite sex who is not your spouse. Now, you could expand that slightly to, to include mama, grandma, daughter, uh, things like that, like next, next of kin, immediate kin, but don't go beyond that. Don't go beyond that. Never be alone with someone of the opposite sex who is not your spouse. Never, ever, 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 ever. This is also known as the Billy Graham rule. This is a, one rule that he, he always abided by. It was said that if he were in an elevator alone and a woman got on the elevator with him alone, he would get off the elevator and wait for the next one to come around. He never, ever, ever allowed himself to be alone with a, another woman other than his wife. That's a great advice to have. That's a great rule to put in place. There's no reason, men, for you to be alone with a, another woman besides your wife ever. And there's no reason, women, for you to be alone with another man who is not your husband ever. None. Don't do it. Don't do it. You say, oh, well, it, it's okay. I know this person. We're good friends. No. Don't do it. Set that boundary. Don't cross it for any reason whatsoever. You know, when I came here as pastor, the first thing I did, I put windows on all the doors in the office. Why? Because there are times that I have to, to be in my office in privacy with, with women to, to conduct counseling. Now, there's privacy in there, but we're not alone because Keith or Marion are in the office and, and they, they, they can walk by. They walk by that that window to look in every now and again that we're not alone that's that's never going to happen that's not allowed period and, and praise be to keith that there's been some saturdays that he's had to come up here because there was a counseling need and he had to come up here and sit in the office while i counseled someone that's a rule that can't be crossed never ever ever be alone with someone of the opposite sex who is not your spouse Number two, never share intimacy with someone of the opposite sex who is not your spouse. Never share intimacy with someone of the opposite sex who is not your spouse. Now, I'm not talking about sexual intimacy here. We're not to that point yet, right? I'm not talking just about sexual intimacy. I'm talking about mental intimacy, emotional intimacy. Never share uh, intimacy with anyone of the opposite sex other than your spouse. That's one reason that it's never ever a good idea for a, a woman to disciple a man or a man to disciple a woman because in that discipleship relationship, there's a level of intimacy. 
as you share your, your concerns, as you share your struggles, your temptations to sin, as you share those things, that's a level of intimacy. And, and so men should disciple men and women should disciple women because you, you're sharing one another's burdens. You, you're, you're in there, you're sharing that intimacy. That should never be shared with someone of the opposite sex other than your spouse. Because when you start sharing intimacy with one another, it's just a small step over to sexual intimacy. Never, ever, ever share intimacy with someone of the opposite sex who is not your spouse. Number three, always be transparent with your spouse. Always be transparent with your spouse. Mary Beth knows all my passwords. She can get into my phone, my computer, my email. She can get into anything she wants to, anytime she wants to. I share all of that with her. There are no secrets there. And I mean it to be that way. I don't want it any other way. So if you send me an email, she's probably going to see it. She has the ability to see it. And vice versa. I know all of her passwords. I have access to all of her stuff. We, we have that kind of relationship. We want to be transparent with one another. I don't want any secrets from her. She's my spouse. She's, we're, we're one flesh. We're one, one unit here. So there's no reason for me not to be transparent with Mary Beth. Be transparent with your spouse. Be transparent with your spouse. They should have access to anything and everything you have. So that, they, that you know you, you had that guard in your life, right? If I start this conversation with this person on email or in text, my wife can see it. She has access to it. Be transparent. Now we even have an, an app. That she, she knows where I am 24-7. She, she can find me. She, she knows where I am. She can keep up with me. I keep up with her too. Sometimes I call her, what you doing at the mall? Are you stalking me? Yes, I am. It's okay, right? Be transparent. Be transparent with your spouse. That's, that's the, the person God put you with. You, you united together. You left father and mother. You forsake all other human relationships for that person. Be transparent. Be transparent. There's no need for secrets in a marriage now certainly i have counseling you know i have counseling things that i can don't share with her she's got medical things that she don't share with me those kind of secrets we we do have because there's other lives involved but other than that no secrets be transparent be transparent so establish these boundaries i just think about Joseph, in the Old Testament, Joseph in Genesis chapter 39, Joseph, he, he went to work, he was a, a slave for Potiphar, went to work in Potiphar's house, and of course, y'all all know the story, Potiphar's wife kind of had an eye for Joseph, and, and she tried to seduce him. She tried to seduce him. She, she wanted to commit adultery with Joseph. She tried and tried and tried, but Joseph set up barriers. He's like, no way, no way, sister, I'm not crossing that line, no way whatsoever. And one day, Joseph came into the house, and it was strangely quiet. Where is everybody? Where is everybody? Where, where's all the other servants? 
And next thing you know, he feels this hand come across his back, and it's Potiphar's wife. She grabs a hold of him, and what does he do? Gone. He sheds that outer garment. He takes off. He leaves it. He runs away from adultery. Dear friends, set boundaries in your life. And when temptation comes, don't walk away. Run away. Run away from the temptation. Do not allow temptation to take root. Temptation will come. But don't let temptation take root. And snare you into sin. Now some might say, what silliness. Why in the world would you establish such silly boundaries as those? People used to, to ridicule Billy Graham, in, in fact, for establishing protective boundaries in his life. But dear friend, as you establish protective boundaries, you also need to understand the physical consequences of adultery. You need to understand the physical consequences of adultery, and that's where the proverb takes us next. It shows us the physical consequences of adultery. Notice what it says there in verse 9. Lest you keep away from adultery, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teacher or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the, I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Oh, dear friend, understand the, the physical consequences of adultery. I just noticed that some of these are, are highlighted or some of these are, are uh, given to us in our text, but I just noticed four ways in which adultery can ruin you physically. Number one, adultery can ruin your reputation. It can ruin your reputation. You give your honor to another, right? You give your honor. It will ruin your reputation. Listen, dear friend, if you have a, a commit adultery, if you have an affair, then, then no one can trust you, right? If you break confidence with your wife or your husband, then look, no one can trust you. You have ruined your reputation. And maybe you're a single, and maybe there's a, a man who is flirting with you, a married man who is flirting with you, or a married woman who is flirting with you, and you're single. Well, guess what? If you enter into an adulterous relationship with someone who is married, then guess what? Your reputation is ruined. You will forever be known as the other woman or the other man, the one who destroyed a family. It will ruin your reputation. It will ruin your family. It will ruin your family. That goes without saying, right? If you, you break the trust of your wife, of your husband, of your spouse, they can no longer trust you. Your children look at you and wonder, how could you ever do that? It leads, oftentimes leads to divorce. 
It will ruin your family. Adultery will ruin your health. It will ruin your health. Uh, And that's not just talking about all the diseases that you could possibly get. But, But what about the strain of an adulterous relationship? What about the stress that, that comes along with that? It can ruin your health and it can ruin your finances. It can ruin your finances. It can destroy your finances. As it takes away and departs your, destroys your house. Adultery can ruin you. It can ruin you. You need to understand this. Now, I know a man, and all of you know a similar man or a woman, someone that this has happened to, but I know a man who seemed to have it all, right? He had a good job, a wife who loved him, kids who loved him. He was financially secure, but then temptation came, and the flirtation came. And the compromises came. And before he knew it, sin grabbed him and had a hold of him. And he entered into an adulterous affair with a co-worker. He lost his job. His wife divorced him. His kids despised him. And he lost all financial security. All for one moment. One moment of delight. One moment of satisfaction. He lost it all. Understand the physical consequences. Adultery will destroy you. It will destroy you. Don't be fooled by adultery's enticements. Adultery promises great pleasure but only delivers misery and ruin. Safeguard your marriage by establishing protective boundaries, understanding the physical consequences, and third, and this is a good one, enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your spouse. You want to protect your marriage from adultery? Enjoy your spouse. Look at verses 15 through 19. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad? Streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your, fa- let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Oh, enjoy your spouse. This is so important to, to not only, you know, Uh, protecting your your marriage against adultery but having a happy marriage an enjoyable marriage enjoy one another enjoy one another spend quality time together 
You need to spend quality time together. Enjoy, rejoice, he says, in the wife of your youth. Enjoy her. Enjoy time with her. You know, Mary Beth and I learned this a long time ago, right? We, life gets crazy. It does. Sometimes she's going here, this direction. I'm going this the other direction. We're just busy, busy, busy doing our own things and, and trying to keep up with everything. And, and then we'll start noticing, well, we're getting short with one another. We start picking fights with one another. And we know at that point that we have spent way too much time apart and we need to push the pause button on everything else and we need to make time for one another. We need to spend quality time with one another just to be with one another. Just to, to take a trip out of town, go shopping, go, go do whatever. Just spend some time together. We need that quality time together and you need that quality time with your spouse. You need to take time out of your busy, hectic schedule, and all of us have those. Even if you're retired, right, you, you, your, your schedule gets filled up with so many things. You need to push the pause button, and you need to spend time with your spouse. You need to spend quality time with your spouse. But not only that, you also need to spend intimate time with your spouse. You need to spend intimate time with your spouse. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through, 1 through 5, we, we covered this as we went through Corinthians, but uh, Paul says it well. Now concerning the matter about which you wrote, it is good for a man uh, not to have sexual relations with his wife. That's what they said, and they were asking about. But, Paul says, because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourself to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You want to safeguard your marriage from adultery? Enjoy intimate time with your spouse. Enjoy intimate time with your spouse. If you're enjoying intimate time with your spouse, your spouse won't be looking elsewhere to find intimacy. Enjoy intimate time with your spouse. Enjoy quality time, just time to be together and intimate time together. Safeguard your marriage from adultery by enjoying, enjoying the marriage relationship. That is so important. It's so important to have fun together to be with one another, to share intimacy with one another. Safeguard your marriage by enjoying time with your spouse. So get, safeguard your marriage from adultery by establishing protective boundaries, understanding physical consequences, and enjoying your spouse. Finally, you need to understand some more consequences here. Understand the spiritual consequences of adultery. Understand spiritual consequences of adultery because there are spiritual consequences to adultery. 
There are spiritual consequences to adultery. Look at verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. You need to understand the spiritual consequences of adultery. First of all, we see in our text that God sees all. God sees all. Man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. Now you can think, well, my wife will never find out about this. My husband will never find out about this. Oh, we can keep this secret. It will never be known. It's just a private thing. You may think you are keeping it secret, and you may keep it secret from certain people. But know this, the eyes of the Lord are upon you. There is no well too deep, no mountain too high, that the Lord will not see you committing your sin. He sees you. God sees all. And know this, God judges all. God judges all. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast in the cords of his sin he dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly he is led astray what is he saying there he's saying that god judges all you're not going to get away with it god judges all he sees it and you you say well i'm a child of god right i'm in christ so there's no judgment in christ but god disciplines his own And discipline is a form of judgment. And even as a child of God, yes, there's redemption. Yes, there's forgiveness. But God will discipline you. He will chastise you. Your relationship with God will be altered. It will change. Because no longer can he be a a loving, gentle father. Now he has to be the disciplinarian father. Who disciplines you. It makes you bear the consequences of your sin here in this life. Oh yes, you you may not have to bear them eternally because Christ has paid for them, but you will have to bear the consequences here. Think about this. David. David was a man after God's own heart. God's chosen king to lead God's chosen people. The man through whom's seed God would bless and and through his seed would rule over God's people but you know second Corinthians or excuse me second Samuel 12 tells us of David's failure and the consequence of of adultery and tells us the consequences right David you all know that the story about David and Bathsheba David looked out Across his kingdom one day, and his eye spied a beautiful woman. He found out that it was Bathsheba, and he invited her over. While Bathsheba's husband was off to war, fighting the 
the battles for Israel. He's come on over Bathsheba. They spent some time together. And they entered into an adulterous relationship. Bathsheba got pregnant. David got scared. Called in Uriah, her husband, said, come on, be with your wife. But Uriah was a more, more righteous man and wouldn't do it. Wouldn't go in and enjoy his wife while the rest of God's troops were out on the battlefield, so he abstained. David had to do something, so what did he do? He sent word through his, his general and said, you know, put Uriah out on the front line where he could get killed. He sentenced him to death. David thought his sin was private. He thought it was private. He thought, oh, I'm the king and nobody will learn of this. I can get away with it like this. My sin is private, but God sees all. And God judges all. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, we read the story. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very little flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he bought it, and, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of, the, of his morsels and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock and of, of a herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house, your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of of Israel and of Judah and if this were too little I would I would add to you as much more why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight you have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Amorites now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house. You see the consequences. Because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. And I will take your wife before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this, this son for you did it secretly but i will do this thing before all israel and before the son david was a child of god who sinned against god and because of his sin because of his adultery and murder god judged him in this life 
And he bore consequences for his sin. There are spiritual consequences for adultery, for all sin, but especially adultery, or in addition to adultery. Adultery has spiritual consequences that will be hard to bear. Before you commit adultery, consider the spiritual consequences. You may hide your affair from certain people, but you cannot. You will never hide it from God. God sees all and God will punish your adultery. Safeguard your marriage from adultery. Establish those protective boundaries. Understand the consequences of adultery, both the physical and the spiritual consequences of adultery. And enjoy your spouse. Enjoy time together. Now, you ask, well, what if I've already messed up? I've already committed adultery. I've been in that kind of relationship. Is there any hope for me? Is there any hope of redemption? Absolutely. Listen, dear friend, I I don't want you to misunderstand me. I want you to know this. There is always hope of redemption in Jesus Christ. There is always hope of redemption and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. As 2 Samuel 12 goes on in verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. David repented of his sin. And he turned to God and trusted in God and God forgave him. Yes, there were still the physical consequences. Yes, there were still spiritual consequences in this life that he had to bear. But God forgave him and redeemed him. And God will save you. He will redeem you and forgive you in Jesus Christ. Know this, this, dear friend. Christ Jesus died on Calvary's cross to pay the penalty for all of your sin. So if you've committed adultery, God, Christ paid for that sin. He paid the eternal price for that sin. He bore God's judgment for that sin. So that you might be reconciled to God and forgiven. Confess your adultery. Like David confessed his adultery, confess your adultery and seek reconciliation. Seek reconciliation, first of all, with God. Because he is the first one offended in your adultery. You have sinned against the holy and righteous God. Confess your sin to God. Seek his forgiveness. And he will give it in Christ Jesus Seek to be reconciled with all of those others who have been hurt, your spouse, your children, anyone else who is hurt in your affair. Seek reconciliation. Confess your sin and seek reconciliation. Seek forgiveness from them. Seek, confess your adultery and seek that reconciliation and rest in the salvation of Jesus Christ. Rest in Jesus. There's no reason to suffer a lifetime of guilt. Jesus paid for it. 
rest in him. Oh, I love that song. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus takes away all of your sin. Just trust in him. Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for the covenant of marriage. What a wonderful and and blessed gift to mankind. Father, as your children, we understand the fullness of that gift. So, Father, I pray that we as your church would protect our own marriages and even keep one another accountable that we would protect one another's marriages from the sin of adultery. Lord, we know how easy it is to be grasped by that sin. So many have fallen victim to it, have fallen into it. But Lord, let us safeguard our marriage. Let us heed your word of wisdom and safeguard our marriages. So we do not defile your name by sinning that sin. And Lord, where there is sin, we thank you that there is forgiveness and reconciliation. Lord, you can bring reconciliation. Yes, there's consequences to bear, but Lord, you can bring reconciliation. Through the blood of Jesus, you have paid for all of our sins. Lord, may we all find peace and rest in Jesus. Whether our sin be adultery or something else, let us find peace and rest in Jesus. Lord, if there's someone today who's never trusted in Jesus, maybe they're suffering from their sin, they know they've sinned and they need reconciliation, Lord, let them turn to Jesus today. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.